today I want to talk about a topic that I wanted to talk about for quite a while and uh, probably really should have talked about it about a year ago, but it's on the, the topic of fear. Fear. Fear really does what the, the graphic shows. It really binds you. It really holds you back. It really, really affects your life. And if you've experienced fear or you're a fearful person, you know that that's true. And so we want to find out what's the mind of God on the subject of fear. Last week we talked about we grow in the knowledge of God. And so the knowledge of God is what we want. Not the knowledge of the world, not the knowledge of the culture, not the knowledge of, of men. You know, the Bible actually talks about that there's, there's doctrines of men and doctrines of demons. That's, the Bible says that. So we can have all kinds of manly or demonic doctrines. We want the doctrine of the word of God. And so there's, there's a lot going on in the world, especially, you know, since the COVID issue hit back uh, it actually was first spotted in December of 2019. That's why it's COVID-19, marking the 2019. And so it's been almost a couple of years. And all the, you know, the stress and the strain and the, and the drama and the fear that surrounds that. But not only that, then, you know, trying to contain the thing causes its own set of problems. You know, John Hopkins uh, did a great report on that about all the, uh, you know, suicide hotlines going up 600% in calls, uh, trauma, food insecurities, unemployment, you know, stress, strain, uh, domestic violence, yada, 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 you know, all that stress. And then you have the stress of economics and you have the stress of political division and you have the stress of both the Trump administration and the Biden administration spending money like crazy and printing, printing out money like it's the morning newspaper, you know, just blah, 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 you know, going out there and you think, oh my goodness, there, there might be economic collapse, you know. There's always something to be scared about. Did you know that? And if you say, I don't have anything to worry about, there's somebody here who will give you something to worry about. They don't. There's plenty to worry about. And on top of that, not that that's not stressful enough, I saw on the news a couple weeks ago that Christmas is held up in the port of Los Angeles. Oh, my goodness, what will happen if little Johnny and little Susie cannot have their, you know, Tickle Me Elmo, their, uh, their uh, uh, go-way-back Cabbage Patch dolls? Anybody remember the Cabbage Patch dolls? I mean, that's a fight frenzy for that, uh, and, uh, or uh, then I think uh, the Elsa doll became a big one, fingerlings, I don't know what's going to be the big thing this year, but we think, oh my goodness, Christmas is sabotaged, it's out there in the ocean, but those of us who have a, a Christian worldview know this, Christmas isn't held in a container, it was held in a manger, it, was, it, was, it wasn't held in a container, there's nothing in a shipping container that can create Christmas. Christmas is the day we set aside to celebrate. Some people ask me, you think Jesus was born on December 25th? I said, I highly doubt that, but it doesn't matter. It's the day we set aside to celebrate the birth of our Savior where God said, I've known this, you guys have figured it out, your sin's sick, hurting, and broken, you can't fix yourself, so I'm coming to fix you. And God clothed himself in a human body, became flesh, lived among us, paid for our sins, died the death we deserved, took the sins that were on us, gave us his righteousness, the grave couldn't hold him because he was technically sinless and sin produces death and he had no death in him. And so he's risen again and we have salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what the Christmas season is all about and we'll be promoting that soon because it's a good time to focus on this incredible gospel we have and message we have in the Lord Jesus. Now I've read before that there's 365 verses, I haven't actually counted them, but I've read before that there's 365 verses that deal with fear or some variation of the phrase fear or fear not or don't be afraid. I don't know if that's technically true or not, but I, you and I both know there's lots and lots and lots of verses like that. Every time God showed up or an angel, what was the first things out of their mouth? Fear not, 
Why'd they say that? Because everybody always falls on their faces, though dead, before God in fear. Fear not, fear not, fear not, don't be afraid. And so they say there's 365 verses. But I know this. If there was one solid verse where God said, fear not, you can take that with you 365 days a year. You can take that with you. You know, it only takes God to say it once to where we ought to say, yes, sir, we get, the, we get the message. We're not supposed to be fearful people, even though all the world wants to push fear upon us. So we got a promise from God that we can be people who fear not. Now, you've probably seen this acronym. I've used it before. It's used all the time. It's nothing new. You know, I hate to wear it out, but I'm going to show it to you. It's, it's taking fear and creating a, a little acronym out of it. Fear meaning false evidence appearing real. It's a great one. That's not always true, but most of the things we're fearful about, it is false evidence appearing real. Now, the personal story that I have, which many of you have heard before, but I try to recycle it about every five years just to bring it back up, is a personal time in my life where I was in bed in my parents' home. Upstairs was where the kids' bedrooms were, and I was probably 14 to 15 years old, so I wasn't like four, and... I'm just minding my own business, getting a good night's sleep when I awaken and I hear what sounds like to me a, I don't know what else to describe it as, other than a man-eating monster. A man-eating monster is out in the hallway. Now, I'm saying to myself, for all of you kids' church who are in with us today, there are no man-eating monsters, just want you to know that, but I'm lying there, 14 or 15 years old, I'm using all the logic I know to use, I'm saying to myself, I know there's no such thing as a monster, I, I, I know that, but all the logic isn't really working too well. I'm still kind of paralyzed by this fear. I thought, man, I've got to check this out because what I'm hearing is something that sounds pretty much like this. It's like... (sighs) 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 I'm going, oh my goodness. So I got a dilemma. I got to turn on the light to go check it out. But that's a dilemma because as soon as you turn on the light, now the monster knows where you are and, you know, it's dinner is served because the light's on now. I don't even have to look around, grope around in the dark. So... And then there's this other unwritten rule, isn't there? There really is. You know that you're safe as long as your body is in the confines of the bed. You know? But if any extremity, a, fe- uh, a hand, an arm, a leg goes over the bed, you know, it's, it's done for. And so finally I muster up the courage to turn on the light. And I'm not joking about that. I mean, I'm talking, if you ever heard the phrase paralyzed with fear, I was there like, oh my goodness. And, and all the logic in the world couldn't fix it. Finally, I get the courage to turn on the light, then walk around the corner, look out into the hallway, and my father had put a huge window air conditioner, because there wasn't a central air in the home at that time, huge air conditioner in the window to cool off the upstairs bedrooms. And when I saw that, he had put a piece of plastic over it to keep the air from coming in, and it's, it's the weirdest sound in the world. When the air would come in, it push that plastic out and go, and then it would slowly suck it in. And it would go, it's, it sounded hideous. And so, but it's also interesting that the word of God, as we know, is true. The truth will set you free. As soon as I saw that, all fear evaporated just like that. Gone. All fear was gone. I now saw what it was. It really was false evidence appearing real. And it created such fear in me. And but as soon as I saw what it was, plastic over an air conditioner, I went back to bed, slept like a baby. And that's what truth does. We want truth. Now, Now, not all fear, I'm serious about this, not all fear is false evidence appearing real. Sometimes there may be a situation that sparks a fear in your life. That ought to spark a fear, so you can take precautionary actions. Like, let's look at the first one. This is, uh, if you see this, and it produces fear in you, 
If you're in Yellowstone, goodness, I don't care if you're in downtown Columbus and see that. You do something, you know, to uh, take appropriate actions. I actually saw this phrase and a picture of a bear, and this phrase was on a T-shirt when we were in Portland, uh, Maine, and it, sa- it says that. It says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, except for bears. Bears will kill you. And so I thought, well, that's a cool shirt because Gabby Estel Gabbard was in Maine at that same time hunting bears. But I thought, if I buy the shirt and it gets eaten by a bear, then Sue's going to be upset because I sent her a shirt that said, you know, bears will kill you. But the good news is Estel made it back safe and sound, and all the bears made it back safe and sound because it was not a successful bear trip that time. So, you know, everybody was safe. So let's say you're walking along in the city and you see the next screen. You see that. Please do not say, Pastor Tracy says false evidence appearing real. I may be a little fearful, but I'm just going to walk right down that street and greet these people. I suggest taking a different route. I don't care if they work for the Salvation Army. They don't look like it, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go, I, well, you know, I just had an idea. This guy's ringing the bell. I'm leaving some money in the thing. You know what I mean? You got that crew out there ringing the bell out there like, Hey, you're going to leave some money? Yes, sir, I am. Why do you, how much do you want me to put in there? Uh, so that might be a good strategy. So that's things that strike fear in your heart. Darlene and I one time went to the uh, doctor's office for a checkup for Darlene, and we had a, a pretty fearful moment. You can see the next slide. Um, we had this happen. <laughs> this, yeah, that's strike fear. You say, well, I could strike more fear than that. Triplets, <laughs> quadruplets. There's more fear than that. I remember the lady was looking at her belly, and I was, wasn't paying attention much. I didn't know what, how all this worked. And so she's, like, got the little ultrasound thing over here, and then she's got over there, and then she's got over here and over there, and she keeps looking at the monitor. And then she looks at Darlene and says, oh, my goodness, there's two of them in there. Darlene's face got cold as ice. She looked at her and said, you have got to be kidding me. She said, honey, I wouldn't joke about a thing like that. So we had twin A and twin B. Yeah. We actually gave them real names after they were born, but that was the, the really did say that thing, twin A, twin B, and uh, B was Mitch, and A was Cressa. Cressa's the senior of the two of them. She's like 30, or three minutes, uh, cesarean, so like three minutes before uh, she's three minutes older than Mitch technically coming out of the womb. So there are certain things that can strike fear in our hearts, and they ought to be taken seriously. I mean, even as I mentioned covid uh, 5.1 million people have died on planet Earth with COVID, so I think it deserves a certain kind of respect and, and uh, wisdom and understanding. But what I believe is that the devil is the chief executive officer of every news outlet. Every, because the goal of the news, I don't care if it's conservative or liberal, the goal of the news outlet is to get you aggravated, frustrated, upset. Why? So you'll tune back in tomorrow. They, they want an audience. I, I know you would think, well, surely they wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, they would. You've heard me talk about this before. You can get on a search engine, look it up. You'll find it's called the year of the shark. The year of the shark was actually a year where there's not big any national news or world news going on. And so the news media uh, created uh, stories about sharks, shark attacks. Are shark attacks real? Yeah, do they happen every year? Absolutely. But that's what they were blasting out all the time. Little kids were not able to go into the ocean because parents knew that the shark would kill them and eat them. That's what they saw on the news over and over and over. It was on the cover of Newsweek magazine. It was on the cover of Time magazine. It was called the Year of the Shark. The only problem was, actually, some a newsworthy event happened. 9-11 happened that year. You totally quit talking about sharks because now you had something to talk about. And the stats show that it was one of the least shark attack years of the previous years. So they'd had less, 
more shark attacks before that year, but they needed something to generate some fear and, and energy and something to get you to tune back in. So you've you got to be careful because stuff gets in your head and creates a lot of fear. See, I, I thought about this. Fear freezes life. Fear freezes life. Just like I was frozen in that bed by fear. Fear freezes life, but faith <sighs> thaws it out. Just lets things start moving, lets things start happening again. And we, we don't want life frozen. We want, we want it to be thawed out. Do you know, do you know why people uh, were afraid? This, this is just a, a current thing. It was sharks one time. Uh, it was COVID. Now, again, I want to say this. Are you hearing me? There are people that get attacked by sharks, and I think you should be prudent. If I see a little dorsal fin going along, I don't hop in the water. You know, I'm, I'm staying out of the water. You know, I think, it, I think prudence and wisdom and all that is, is right. But when you talk about things nonstop, it generates fear. And one of the reasons we got so fearful about COVID, and, and by the way, there's also, there just seems to be some people who just get angry if you don't get scared about COVID. I want to be serious about it. I don't have any need to defend it. I just want to tell you the truth about it. We talked about it nonstop over and over and over and over and over, and fear began to grip our hearts. Because anything you talk about, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So you hear. This applies to anything, COVID, sharks. You might have a friend that they've talked about their ex, and you've heard so much negative about him or her that you know they're, they're a spawn of Satan. You know that they're in cahoots with the devil. One day you might meet them and go, I just met the most pleasant person in the world. And you find, oh, that's their ex. No, that person has to be awful. Why? Because hearing what you hear over and over and over and over and over again produces fear. Well, we should be cautious, but I, I do want you to know this, and I was going to tell you what it was, but I thought, I don't want to create more fear. 17.9 million people die of the number one disease on planet Earth every year, year after year after year after year. About eight times more people have died yearly of COVID so far, and yet none of us wake up fearful of that. Well, that's not true. If you have the disease or you have a loved one, you do. But for the most part, you wake up every day and go about your day not fearful or thinking about that at all. Disease number two kills about 10 million a year, year after year after year after year, and you don't wake up fearful of that unless you have it or have a loved one close to you that has it. You don't even think about it. You don't even think about it. Why not? Because we're not talking about it all the time. If you pick any one of those, and by the way, second disease is about four times as many deaths of it than COVID. If you talked about it all the time, we would all get fearful about that. We could pick anything, anything. You could, I'm serious. People get hit by cars and killed regularly. I see it on the news. You know, hit and run, hit and run, hit and run. Just up in Indianapolis, I thought, boy, if they broadcast every hit and run, you'd be afraid to walk into the mall because you'd be thinking, I'm, I'm going to get it because that'd be all you would see. Now, should we be cautious? Yes. I had a friend one time. They would just walk right out and in the road, cross the street. And so I was telling them, I said, what are you doing? He said, pedestrians have the right of way. I said, okay, well, that's true, and I'll remind you of that when I visit you in the hospital when you're all laid up. That, hey, I don't know why you got hit. Pedestrians have the right of way. How about a little sense? How about a little caution? You know, so I'm not saying these things aren't real. I'm saying let's use wisdom, let's be sound, but let's not let fear grip our hearts. Not let fear. Just all the stuff we've done to even protect from things. John Hopkins University had a wonderful study on all the things we've done to help crush COVID, which, by the way, they weren't saying we shouldn't have done them. And I'm not arguing for or against. I'm just saying even some of the things we do to try to stop something creates, you know, more catastrophes and more deaths, and not more than COVID, but more. And so I just want to challenge us today. Let's be careful not to have fear. 
Now you may say, well, I think we should be fearful. There are some things I think we should be cautious about, but anytime fear starts to grip you and starts to immobilize you, and you're like me stuck in bed and can't reach out and turn on the light because you're paralyzed by fear, that's too far. That's too far, and we need to learn. We need to learn what God's Word says. So what are we supposed to do as believers? What are we supposed to do as Christians with a, a Christian worldview? Well, we're supposed to fortify our hearts with the Word of God, with the truth of God. What does, it, what does the Word say? See, bad news comes uh, in our lives. Sure, it does. It comes from lots of sources. It comes from a, on a lot of different topics. But what are we to do with this fear when it comes along? You know, it could be a uh, a negative doctor's report, it could be a broken relationship, it could be, you know, a financial disaster, a job loss, you could get an email saying you didn't get the job, you didn't get the college admission, you didn't get the grant, you didn't get the scholarship, you didn't get whatever. Now, all kinds of bad news can come from a lot of different sources, but what are we to do with it? What's the knowledge of God's Word say about bad news? Well, thankfully we have something. It's Psalm 112, 6 through 8. Psalm 112, 6 through 8. Surely the righteous will what? Never be shaken. Is that really what that says? Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. They will have no fear of bad news. They will have no fear of bad news. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. And they, are you the righteous? If you're born again, you are. The Bible says as a Christian, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Then you and I should have no fear of bad news. Now, I was, I'm like you. I'm a human being. I got emotions and feelings. And, and so I'm reading this. I'm going, really? I mean, how practical is that? How practical is it that you'll never have fear of bad news? And then I started to think, there's our problem. I struggle with it. We struggle with it. We're going to take God's word, and we're going to reduce it down to our sad experiences. What if, just thinking crazy here, what if we have a great big God who has great big promises, who wants us to live a great big life, filled with him, that great big God? Hmm, that kind of makes sense to me, because I think it was last week we saw this, that God has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, these very great and precious promises, we might live the divine life. Hmm and escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. So I decided I'm going to quit trying to explain God's word away and bring it down to my level. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me rise up to God's level. It's an interesting thing, and I don't know that it technically applies to this, but you'll get the idea. Jesus came down. You get it? He came, we're going to celebrate Christmas. God came down. But when John sees Jesus in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, come up here. And I thought, hmm. Maybe say, I already came down once. Now it's your turn to come up here. It's your turn to come up. So we got to get these promises and say, okay. I mean, even though it blows my mind away, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, with the help of God, come up. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They'll be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look and triumph on their foes. Amen. Human beings can spark fear. You, you probably have somebody in your life that if you get too happy, they're ready to bring you down a notch. You know what I mean? They, they, you know, if, you're, if you're moderately happy slash miserable, that's okay. But if you really get too happy, they say, we've got to bring this person down. 
And so you might have somebody that wants to bring you down. And so with their words or with their attitudes, and sometimes people are vindictive, maybe even at work or school, there's somebody that wants to bring you down through gossip or, or lies or backstabbing or whatever. May, there may even be people in your life that want to, through ill intent, want to even bodily harm you. But you go, wow, what's God say about that? Well, Hebrews has something. Hebrews says this, Hebrews 13, 6, so that we may, what's that next word? So that we may boldly say, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You say, now how practical is that? Well, first of all, we always discuss this, we're not coming down to, you know, we're going up. I can tell you that Stephen preaches his debut message, you can read it in the book of Acts, it's a powerful message. It's a great message. And the crowd responds instead of a standing ovation and cheers and the altars packed, they respond by picking up stones and killing him. But if you read the story, you don't see any fear in him. The Bible says his face shone like an angel, the heavens were opened, he saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he says, do not lay this sin to their charge. Isn't that interesting? He, he stepped into a no-fear zone with the Lord. I was in Franklin College in a class, and we're reading a book called Ordinary People, and there's a little line in Ordinary People, and you probably heard me tell the story before, a little line where the kid who's, you know, kind of broken and struggling, he says, I don't even have a bumper sticker. So, you know, we're going to delve into, what's that mean? He didn't even have a bumper sticker. And so, because bumper stickers reveal things we believe in or trust in or hope in, you, you, you don't just randomly pick out a bumper sticker and put it on there, you know. I, I love, uh, you know, Ruby Falls or whatever. You, you have something that's meaningful to you if you're going to put it on your car. And so they said, anybody around here have bumper stickers? Several people raised their hand. There was one guy who was pretty talented on the football team. Uh, his parents were, were Christians. His dad was a pastor. Uh, they were just good, godly people. And uh, he wasn't so much. I hope he is today, but he wasn't so much at the time. And apparently that wasn't a secret to his family either. And uh, so he had a bumper sticker. So he said, what's your bumper sticker? And he said, here's what his bumper sticker said. I'm the only hell my mama ever raised. And, you know, everybody laughed. And this is pretty funny. And everybody laughed. And then so other people told their bumper sticker. And then they pointed to me and said, what, Tr Tracy? He said, didn't you have a bumper sticker? And I said, yeah. And I remember actually the intimidation of saying that. And I didn't remember this verse, but this verse reminds me of that moment. I said, just take a deep breath and say it boldly. And so he said, what's yours say, Tracy? I said, mine says, if your God's dead, try mine. Jesus lives. That was not the response. It was like crickets in there. <laughs> crickets. And the, uh, the professor was a nice guy. He said, oh, yeah, I saw that bumper stick. I like that. I think he's trying to say, I've got to rescue this kid from just dead silence in the room. But go ahead. Be bold. Don't say, uh, if you're God's dead, <clears throat> try mine. Jesus lives, I think. Uh, no, just say it. Just say it out there. Oh, yeah. Fear not. There's a beautiful promise there in Isaiah 41.10. And really the promise, nowhere in this promise is saying, you will never have a problem, you'll never have bad news, you'll never have a broken moment. You notice it says, I won't fear bad news. So apparently, bad news can come, right? So here there's no promise that nothing bad is going to happen, but we get this great big huge promise. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. That's already a good verse. Woo, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, since we don't use that word a lot, I put discouraged. Be not discouraged, 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What a promise. You say, but Tracy, I just lost my job. You know what? Don't be afraid. Fear not, for he is your God. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you with his righteous right hand. There's the promise we get a hold of. Yeah, but my husband left me or my wife left me. Well, God says, I'll never leave you. So fear not, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. What, what wonderful promises. Oh, my kids have run off into horrible sin. Fear not, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. What a beautiful promise. It doesn't say there's not any problem. It says we got the problem solver. Say, yeah, but the doctors told me I have six months to live. Fear not. I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. They just repossessed my car. Fear not, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. What a powerful promise. Some bad news comes. Fear not. I am with you. I am your God. I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you, and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now I want to address another fear that used to come by my way with some regularity. Not a horrible lot of regularity, but enough that it was aggravating. Uh, you kind of like having a great day. You know, life seems to be good. You're on a little good stretch of, of good stuff. And then this thought would come across my mind. This ain't going to last. Something bad's got to happen. Almost like there's this quota, you know. You, 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 got, you got some bad's got to come. And something bad's going to come down the pike. And then you start, oh, man, yeah, something bad might come down the pike. Now, that's also called taking tomorrow's clouds and pulling it over today's sunshine. Bad idea. If there are clouds going to come down, enjoy that. You look the weather forecast, and it's going to be beautiful for three days, but then there's going to be ten days of rain. Enjoy the three days of sunshine, okay? Just, just go ahead and enjoy life. And so I would hit those little stretches, and then one day I started thinking, hold it. Is that concept in the Bible that you really aren't going to have a lot of good times, so bad times are going to crush all those good times? And so I started looking through the scripture. I couldn't find it in the Bible. I couldn't find anywhere in the Bible where God said, it really aggravates me if you have too long of a stretch of good stuff, so I've got to throw some bad stuff into your life. In fact, we say things like this. This is probably one of the most misquoted things that's said. I've said it. You've said it. I'm going to teach you about it right now for just a second, and you're probably still going to say it. That's how much faith I have. Anyway, no, you're going to, you're going to get transformed by the word. So you're going through troubles. You're going through trials. You say, well, the Lord says he'll never put more on you than you can handle. First of all, I want you to know, that's not in the Bible. Well, yes, it is. No, it's not. No, it's not. But are you sure? I thought God put me in a car wreck, and then, you know, I caught COVID, and then I did this, and I guess God thinks I'm strong because he won't put more on me than what I can bear. Here's what the Bible says. No temptation has taken you except that which is common to man. And God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear, but will with every temptation make a way of escape so you may stand up under it. We've taken that verse and, you know, said, oh yeah, God's going to put a lot of problems on you and, and, you know, but he won't put more on you than you can bear. Well, that's not what the Bible says. So now you know, 
and you can not forget that and educate others. Next time you hear somebody say, well, God won't put more on you than what you can pray, you say, you idiot. You, and where in the world, what Bible are you reading? You know, because when you get a little truth, you can get a little haughty, you know what I mean? Uh, the Bible does say it's knowledge puffs up. If we're not careful, we, we lose all grace. I've said it 3,000 times, but now I'm going to get the next person who says it. Okay, just go ahead and be gracious, be grace-filled. So, that dread and foreboding would try to come, and I want to look out of the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible, a lot of times when you're translating a word, words have big meanings, you know what I mean? And so, English words do, Greek words, Hebrew words, Russian words, it doesn't matter. Any word has usually a big meaning, but sometimes the translators, most of the time when they're making a translation, they say, well, we've got like five different options here. Which one do we think is the best to use in this? The Amplified Bible says, I don't care if there's five options. We'll talk about all of them. And so they use this verse, Amplified Bible, Proverbs 15, 15, says this. All the days of the desponding and afflicted, in other words, the oppressed and depressed, all their days are made evil. That's encouraging. Why? How? By anxious thoughts and forebodings. By anxious thoughts and forebodings. You're having a good day. Something comes across your mind. Things have to go south. And you go, oh, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. So I know, uh, and you, all of a sudden you've got these anxious thoughts and these forebodings. I, I call it dread. This dread just hits you out of nowhere. And here, God says, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He said, but he who has a glad heart, don't forget, we're approaching Thanksgiving this week. We're going to talk about leaving fear behind this week. Next week, we're going to talk about the power of thanksgiving and gratitude. It said, but he who has a glad heart has a continual feast. Isn't that beautiful? He who has a glad heart has a continual feast. And the next three words are super important too. Regardless of circumstances. Regardless of circumstances. Wow. My friends, fear is not from God. It's from the devil. I want you to clearly know it's from the devil. In 1 John 4.18, it says, there is no fear in love. Now, the Bible says God is love, so there's no fear in him. And when we're in him, there's no fear. But perfect love, now I can see it's two different ways. First of all, God is perfect love. But we are trying to perfect and understand our walk of love with God. And another definition for perfect is mature. Now, God doesn't have to mature in his love because it really is perfect in the sense of flawless and impeccable. But we are growing in our understanding. So we're maturing in this understanding of God's love. And when we mature in this understanding of God's love, there's no fear. Because fear involves torment. If you've ever been fearful, it's tormenting. It's tormenting to be fearful. It brings torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You haven't matured in that understanding of love. So we have some truths today. We're going to look at an anchor truth, what I called an anchor truth. Then we're going to look at some action truth. Here's the anchor truth, 2 Timothy 1.7, New King James Version, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, some translations say timidity. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Some say of self-discipline or self-control. Again, it's where words are, can be bigger and a translator picks one. But again, the Amplified Bible says, we don't care, we'll use all of them. So, Amplified Bible, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of cowardice, craven and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love. And, and this, this is such a beautiful phrase. 
and a calm and well-balanced mind. <sighs> calm and well-balanced mind. A sound mind means healthy, whole. A calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. All that comes from the Spirit of God. So those are, are great anchor verses. You start to say, well, I'm starting to fear. Okay, hold it. God's not giving me that spirit. That's not coming from God. And so this is a great verse to jot down and memorize. And by the way, I want to tell you this about memorization. We're, we're so trained to memorize every word exactly right. I'm just more concerned about knowing the concept and, being, and our concept being accurate. You know, somebody goes, oh, man, I've been working on John 3.16 forever. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I, I, I don't care as long as somebody says this. God loved the whole world so much, and I'm part of it, that he gave a son who died for me so I could have eternal life. Well, that's not perfect quote. Well, it's a perfect uh, concept of it, and so get, get a hold of the concept. And so here's some, some uh, action truth that we can look at. Now, it's like six verses here, and we won't spend a lot of time talking it over because you'll understand. Almost every verse has given you something to combat fear, anxiety, worry, and dread with. And... Philippians 4, 4 through 9, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. There's, there's a strategy. I'm feeling fear. I'm going to rejoice. Well, I think I'd be hypocritical to rejoice. No, it's never hypocritical to obey God. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to rejoice. I will say it again. Rejoice with an exclamation point. So he's trying to drive this point home. Here's a strategy against fear, anxiety, worry, and dread. Rejoice. Be full of joy. Let your, your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious, worried, fearful, fretful, dreadful, foreboding about, what's the next word? Anything. We, we really do know what the word means. Yeah, but I, no. If, you can say, yeah, but I, and whatever that next word is, isn't anything. It isn't anything. Uh, health, kids, parents, relationships, spiritual life, economy, Worry, jobs, you know, it's an anything. So don't be anxious, worried, fearful, fretful about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. I want you to have some knowledge of that word petition. A petition is a very specific request. When you see on the news that they're petitioning the courts, they aren't just giving some random thing. They're, they're making a very specific request. And so you can make a very specific request before God. That's not wrong. In fact, we're told to do it. Make that very specific request with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We're thankful people. Thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understandings beyond our ability to even comprehend. It also transcends all circumstances because we just read earlier, glad heart, continual feast, regardless of the circumstances. will guard your hearts and your minds. I like that phrase because sometimes you know how you just kind of feel dread in your gut, like in your... You say, well, I don't think my brain's down here, and I kind of felt here. But your, your spirit, man, can kind of feel that, and, and your mind. And, and God says, I'm going to guard your heart, your spirit, your mind, both, in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, so here's, here's our little list of what we can think about. I want you to listen to this, and if what you're thinking about doesn't fit in this little group, then you don't think about it. You quit thinking about it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, which we just learned, received, and heard from the Apostle Paul in those verses, or seen in me, put it into what? Practice. 
I know I beat this drum a lot because it's an important drum. You can get this information down. You could log it, memorize it, and get an A-plus on a test on it. But if you're not trying to do it, if you're not practicing, then it shows up. Now, I took band when I was in fifth and sixth grade. Anybody take band in school? Okay. Now, fifth and sixth grade, I always felt sorry for the parents. We would have Christmas. I mean, it's a train wreck. But anyway, we're learning. And so I would have lessons I would have to do every week. I want to let you in on something that never did fool the band instructor. There were some weeks I did not even practice. You know what happened when I got back in for my, my session? He knew that in two seconds. I didn't practice. How do you know that? Because I was awful and I was not improving. Now, you're going to start out awful. That's okay. You improve. You improve. Um, Olivia McKinney plays a violin. It's Liana's uh, daughter. And Olivia would sometimes at a Christmas program play a, a violin song. And so she was this little person, and she would play the violin. And, of course, that's fine because we love kids. We don't care. But I'm just telling you right now, it sounded awful. It was like, and you go, okay, I'm not even sure what that was. And then, you know, the next year she would play, and the next year she would play, and the next year she would play, and guess what happened? One day she got up there and played and went, oh, my, that is so beautiful. How did it go from to beautiful? Practice. Practice. So when you start doing this, you're going to, you know, it's not going to be real great. But you're going to practice, and you're going to keep doing it, and you're going to keep doing it. And then all of a sudden, you're going to say, oh, guess what? I can control my anxious, worried, fretful, fearful thoughts and my heart because of Jesus and because I've been putting into practice. I don't think about things. Now, one little side note, there are things you have to think about that aren't pleasant. I get that. You think about it, and you deal with it, and then you go on. What I discovered is if I, if I got an unpleasant situation, let's say I can't make a car payment. I need to deal with that because I discovered this because I've lost a job two different times. You guys were the only ones that kept me around. But anyway, I would, I would have a car payment thing. I'm going to be late on that car payment. Now, I had two options. I could stick my head in the sand and then I worried about it and thought about it, worried about it and thought about it, worried about it and thought about it day after day until they finally called me and said, you're two weeks behind on the payment. Or I could way over here say, that's stressful, that's awful, I'm going to call them, hey, I'm not going to be able to make a payment, just got another job, it's going to be two weeks late, and guess what? It's solved. <sighs> now I can rest and relax and enjoy my life. So there are times you have to deal with, so I'm not telling you not to deal with tough things, but you deal with it, and then you put it away. And the rest of stuff in life, we just learn what we can think about, and we follow the advice of the Word of God. So be very careful what you put into your mind. Be very careful what you put in your heart because Proverbs, 20, or Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above what? All else. Guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above your money. Guard your heart. Some of you say, I don't guard my money. I don't have any. Uh, my, my dad used to say this all the time. He said, if I had $100, I'd stay up all night and watch it. Uh, so, you know, so some of you say, I never worry about money. I don't have anything to worry about. But some people have money, and they got little safes, and they worry about it, or they invest in it, and they worry about it, and they're worried and worried, and they're guarding it all. You know, again, be prudent, be wise, be good. I'm, I'm all for being great stewards and growing and building in all those areas. But even more important than that is our heart. Guard your heart, your spirit, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Let's pray together.